happy, happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you guys are enjoying time with family and take advantage of today and tomorrow and, and all those details that's coming. I, I appreciate the fact that Matthew uh, stepped in last week and, and uh, preached that the chapter was chapter 10 out of the book of Acts, which we've been going through. Uh, Matthew, uh, of course, that was uh, the content of that was preparation for what is the, the final part of the story. When I say the final part of the story, all of chapter 10 is a very much connected story, all one. Sometimes we've been going through passages and they're here, they're uh, in different places and, and things like that. But all this, uh, chapter 10, is one content. And it is, it is really special to us, unless you're Jewish. Uh, those of us who are Gentiles, that means non-Jews, uh, this is where we become included into the kingdom. This is very much part of the planting of the church and everything that's unfolding that God had planned through Jesus. Uh, that word inclusion, we know society has really embraced that word and they're moving forward with ideas of what inclusion means. I, I love God's uh, means of, of describing inclusion. It's in Acts chapter 10, chapter 8. It's all throughout Acts, I should say. Matter of fact, when Jesus came, uh, his message was about including. His message was about including. I love the passage where uh, the, the self-righteous people, the, the religious people were, were getting upset at Jesus. Why? Because he was sitting down with sinners and tax collectors and, and those they deemed unworthy of God's kingdom. And there Jesus is. Why? Because he came to seek and to save, to do the inviting. You, you are welcome to come and join the kingdom. Uh, follow me. That, that kind of message was there. And then in the book of Acts, here's what we've seen. In Acts chapter, uh, of course, chapter 2 was that, that day of declaration and it was, it was a message given out to all those who were, uh, came together, who were scattered, you know, the Jews from everywhere. On that day of Pentecost received that message of Jesus. And they found out, you know, they, they were introduced to a, a kingdom with an eternal Savior. And uh, uh, then from there on, uh, uh, after the scattering of the church because of persecution, Acts chapter 8, those dogs of Samaritans, Right? They are now, they now receive that same gospel message and the barrier, you know, no longer are they considered dogs for the Jews. They are, they are part of the family. They're part of the kingdom. And so that was an amazing chapter in chapter eight where Philip went and preached the gospel message to them. And here in, in uh, Acts chapter 10, what we're seeing is now the Gentiles not the half-breeds, but the Gentiles, those who are absolutely excluded from the kingdom in the Old Testament, are now included. They're included. And so we're going to read and see uh, just, just where I think God is, this is God's message of inclusion, okay? We're, we'll hit that as we read through the scriptures. Just, just real quick, a, a brief review of where Matthew was last week, or at least chapter 10. In chapter 10, we see Cornelius who is a centurion. Uh, he, he's part of the Italian cohort, it says. He's, he's part of a unit. Matter of fact, there's, there's something I read this week. Uh, it's, it's thought that Cornelius possibly was a part of a, a archery unit. And I know some of you guys go out and hunt with your bows, and I thought you might 
find that interesting. So he might have been a part of, of, of archers that belonged to the Roman army. Um, anyway, here he is, a Gentile and, and a soldier. And, and he's a, he's a God-fearer, as Matthew named it last week. He's, he's a fear of God. And he's praying, he's, and, and on a particular day when he's praying, he receives a vision, and at the, the, the message of that vision was, call for this man Peter, like 30 miles away. Go get this man Peter and bring him here. He, there's a message he's going to give to you. So um, he sends two servants and a soldier to go get Peter. In the meantime, Peter himself has a vision. And, and it's uh, three times the sheet is lowered and on there are all kinds of animals that, oh man, for a Jew, that's a no-no to kill and eat. But that's exactly the message he's given. Kill and eat. And, and Peter's response is, no, no, I, I've never done that. I've never done, I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And the, the message continued to come from heaven. He says, what God has made clean, do not call common or unclean. Don't do that. So after the vision, knock on the door, it's the two servants, it's the soldier, those Gentiles are at the door, and Peter welcomes them in. You know, message received. Um, we're going to pick up in verse 23, actually the second part of verse 23 where it says the next day. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and read, I know there's, there's several verses here, I'm going to stop and just uh, a couple of things point out. But uh, I, I want us to hear the, the whole story. And then we're going to talk about some of the specific things that, that I see working here. That, that would be an encouragement to us and a strength to us. So in verse 23 it says, The next day Peter rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. But Peter, oh, excuse me, and, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Lesson learned, right? Lesson learned. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent I, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear that all that you have been commanded by the Lord. They are ready. They are an attentive audience. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. 
But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is acceptable, right is acceptable to him. Let me read that again because here is, I, I believe this is God's message or this is God's act of inclusion right here in verse 35. But in every nation, not just specific nation, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Verse 36, as for the word that he sent Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us, who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people. And to testify that he, is the, that he is one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers among, from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, praising, giving God praise. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. There it is. There's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. Uh, Paul Harvey, you wouldn't even know who Paul Harvey is. So <laughs> I'm sorry, that commentator from a long time ago. Here's, here's what the first phrase that I thought about after reading this. Uh, that, man, uh, those were the good old days. You know, those were the good old days, what, what we see taking place here. Uh, it, it, it just fascinates me. All the activity that was taking place. I mean, there was visions and, and there were angels and the prompting of the Holy Spirit that was moving the one who's going to be uh, speaking the gospel. And it's also working in those that are going to be listening. It's preparing, preparing this, osp, this, this audience who's going to be ready to hear and receive the, the gospel message. And then the preacher couldn't even finish his message because they, they began to respond. Actually, the Holy Spirit responded within them, and, and uh, that was the end of the message. Wouldn't that be a great day? Short message. If anybody wants to respond and receive Christ, uh, go right ahead. We'll end the sermon at that point. Any, any takers? Oh, I'm sorry. Got a little carried away. I, I will go ahead and finish my sermon. I know you're anticipating that. So let me go ahead and finish. Um, when, when it came to that, I, I think about what, what are we doing today? You know, where's the visions? 
where's the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Where's the Holy Spirit moving and working, you know, and, and things like that. All that we see t taking place within the book of Acts. And, and, and you know, matter of fact, the, the message is, you know, should, isn't it just time for God to come and get us? Don't you think it's time that, that God should just end all things, and, and especially with the continued ugliness of the world, right? You ever think that when we hear the troubles around the world and say, man, don't you think it's time for God to pull the plug? And the question would be, why hasn't he? Why hasn't he? And we know the answer. Eric actually read the passage today of why he hasn't. He hasn't done it yet because uh, uh, God is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. How, how is everyone going to reach repentance? Well, we know it's through the activity of his church. It's through the activity of his people. That's, that's you and I. You see, we have an invitation to send out. The invitation isn't just Sunday morning during service. The invitation comes from every believer who has the opportunity to, to share that message of Jesus, that saving message of Jesus, that he died and he rose from the dead. That, that's a message that needs to be heard all throughout our community. Matter of fact, that's kind of my focus uh, this morning. This great message of, of how we are all included, included in this kingdom of God, at one time not being that way, but now included, uh, we, we all have this great responsibility to deliver a message about his kingdom and invite people into it through Jesus Christ. So here's, here's just a few lessons I want to point out uh, within this story. Number one, it requires willing servants. Uh, it requires willing servants of Jesus to be the ones who are inviting, to, to, to be the ones who are inviting others to Jesus to, to, to tell of that salvation it requires willing servants. Are we willing servants? Are we willing servants of Jesus? Not just followers of Jesus. And I believe any follower of Jesus is, is a willing servant. That's Peter, right? That would be Peter and the apostles. They're all connected. And, and in the book of Acts, we see them going out and sharing the gospel with enthusiasm. See, they, they, they were probably willing servants, but they were also enthusiastic children of God. I think there's a combination there. There's some enthusiasm that, that lives within people that are anxious to share the gospel message with those who are lost and are headed for God's judgment and condemnation, right? That's what's happening. He, they are focused upon the mission to spread the gospel. Matter of fact, it's not just them. We know Philip and Stephen were part of that. And all those who did receive the gospel message, when the scattering of the church, it said that they took the gospel with them back home. They took it back home. So there was a spreading of the gospel through the whole entire church. Charles Spurgeon preached a sermon one time, and, and all seven points of the sermon, could you imagine seven points of a sermon, were characteristics of, of a soul winner. I, I don't have the time to go through every detail at each one, but here, here are those characteristics. Number one is holiness of character. There's a holiness of character within those who are sharing Jesus with others. They are holy. Uh, strong spiritual life is number two. A strong spiritual life. I'll talk a little bit about that in just a second. Uh, a person with a humble spirit, that's number three. 
person with a humble spirit. A living faith is working within him. Not a dead faith, but an active faith in God and in that message of Christ. Number five is earnest and sincere. Another word I would throw in to add to that it would be they're genuine. They're genuine. They're not fake. They're not, not putting on some kind of an act. They are earnest and sincere, and they have a simplicity of heart. I think that affects the message. It's not complicated. The message of Jesus is really simple. They killed him, and, and God raised him from the dead. That's, that's the, the bottom line we see in every message throughout Acts has those two elements. They killed him, and God raised him from the dead. And then the final one it goes along with what Matthew preached last week. Total submission is, is that, you know, the person who is a servant of God uh, in, in Christ Jesus is the one who is submitting themselves to God's will and God's direction. Here's, I pull out some of the words in there. That thing of holiness, we think, man, I, I cannot be holy except through Jesus. Holiness, being humble, having a living faith, and being submitted to Christ, that's all through the transforming work of Jesus. It's all his work working in you and I. It's, it's what he is doing. It's what he is, he is creating within you. That's what he is enabled to happen within us through Jesus, through his death. And, and we receive that forgiveness and then the coming of his Holy Spirit. He's preparing us. And, and, and when I think about that, that strong spiritual life, uh, the strong spiritual life, what does that mean? Well, it, it, it involves prayer. It, it involves the, the continued reading and absorption of God's word within to our life. Uh, that, I think that's part of a spiritual life. I think it means community of believers that are encouraging, strengthening, sharpening one another. Uh, and that, because all that, when I think about a strong spiritual life, that's a life that is growing in Christ. That's a life that is growing in that relationship with Jesus and with one another. Prayer is a big part of that spiritual life. People who are actively praying. Even at the beginning of the story, the first uh, two parts of the story uh, in, in this chapter 10 began with each of them praying, right? It was Cornelius who, who was praying. He was a god He was practicing some of the same practices of the Jews and observing those hours of prayer. At the ninth hour, it would be 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Cornelius was praying, and he received a vision from God directing him, okay, I have a message for you, go send for, send for Peter. And then, then the next day, uh, Peter himself receives a vision, you know, while he's doing what? He's up on the roof, and he's praying. He, he's, he's looking for God's direction. Man, do we need God's direction in life? We think about our own issues, and we think about, God, what do you want us doing in this life? What, how can I benefit your kingdom? And the answer is always going to be, spread his word. Share his gospel with those who don't know. So both men in this story are connected to God through prayer. I think that's a message for us. i, I got to say right here, I love the church. I love the church more today than I ever have before. I, I, I have to, to just lay it out. And, and it's not because of you people. You people are great. 
But I love the church because of how God has redeemed the church. Everything that God has done has created the church. When we think about the church, we, we cannot think of anything else except for what Jesus has done for us. What Jesus has done for us. And, who, and, and what he is doing in each one of us. Creating is going on. Uh, changing is, is continuing to happen. And, and living for him is, it ought to be a joy. And it can, even, even in those rough times, those difficult times when we're learning things, uh, there are things that, that we're being stretched by and, and growing into. It is a joy to be a part of his kingdom here on earth, the church. Uh, and, and I, of course, when I think about the church, I think about the church when we're gathered. I love Sunday mornings. I love seeing uh, brothers and sisters in Christ as we come together. We have this opportunity to worship him as he deserves, right? I, I love greeting and seeing folks over and over again. But in the book of Acts, here's what we see. We don't just see the church meeting together. The, the, throughout the book, in, in establishing the roots of the church, it was not just about the gathering of the church. It was the scattering of the church, that scattering of the church. That means here on Sunday morning, oh, you well preach evangelistic uh, messages, talk about Jesus, his death and resurrection. But unless that gospel is said to people who, who say those words, I will never go to church. I will never enter the doors of a church. You know, uh, you, you all probably all know some folks like that. I've met several of them myself. And they just don't want anything to do with the church. Sometimes they say it's because of church people. Well, you come in, you'd fit right in with us, right? We're all, hey, we're all sinful. Some of us have found that means of salvation through Jesus Christ. There's our difference. The difference is Jesus. There's people who just don't know Jesus, and we have the opportunity to share him with them. We need to scatter. As we scatter, as we scatter after, after Sunday morning, our, our great opportunity then is to, is to be sharing that gospel message. Inviting people into the story of Jesus. That his death is one that he died on your behalf and his resurrection. That the fact that he lives is something special. Matter of fact, I want to move on to this next point. Which, which almost seems out, out, out of place. But here's what happened. I have to explain it because this is what came in my own thinking. The point is this, is you need to know your audience. You need to be aware who you're talking to. Uh, at times we could, uh, matter of fact, I sat in an evangelistic class and I had just the pat answers and, and everything verse to show to people. But in some situations, it didn't fit. Now the part of death and resurrection of Jesus and what God has done through him, that, that, that's consistent but the place you start, matter of fact, let's, let's just review a little bit through what's happened in this book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, he was speaking specifically to the Jews. That's why Peter, when he, he brought up David, you know, who is going to establish a throne forever, an eternal throne. Well, David died. And he's speaking to Jews. David was their king. Matter, matter of fact, one of the best kings that they had. And they recognized David. And the prophecy said, an eternal throne. Well... Peter made it clear, that's Jesus. Because God raised him from the dead, he is established upon an, an eternal throne. Uh, you killed him and God raised him from the dead. 
what do we do? You know, that was a message that very much related to the people that, that they, he spoke to on that day. Uh, we, we think about Cornelius now. Let's, let's look at this, Cornelius and, and his family. Now, this, these were not just Gentiles. These were God-fearing Gentiles. They weren't proselytes. Uh, if they were proselytes, I mean, things of circumcision, we find out in chapter 11 that there was no circumcision amongst this, this group. But they were believers in God. And, and matter of fact, they even knew the message of Jesus. Uh, it, it's, I, I can't imagine someone like Jesus would live and do the things that he did and not be known around. I mean, the message was out. Is this true? And questions about it. A, a, lot, of, a lot of details there were fascinating and interesting. Uh, so, so, but in verse 37, in Peter's message, he, he said... He said in verse 37, he said, You yourselves know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. He said, you, You've heard these stories. You've heard about Jesus. And, and what's interesting, the way that Peter uh, lays out some details, it's, it would be a very out, simple outline if it were, but it kind of aligns up with Mark's gospel. It aligns with Mark's gospel, especially in the fact that Mark starts the same place that Peter started here, with John the Baptist and his baptizing. That's that place where Jesus was baptized and he received the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, and Jesus went out and he did good things and he did miracles and, and he, he uh, healed people oppressed by demons. And I, I can imagine in that one sentence that, that uh, Luke is kind of shortening everything that Mark is saying. But I can't help but think that, that Peter went into some details. Maybe the paralytic through the roof. And shared how he, he, he took him by the hand and his legs were restored and helped him up. Or walking on the water or, or feeding the 5,000. Some of those details that identified him as God's son here in this world. And then, of course, it led to the place where they killed him. That gospel message that's always the, the contents of that Jesus died upon that cross and God raised him from the dead. And, and they killed him upon the tree it's Peter says and then God raised him from the dead I think the content of verse 42 and 43 in the message that he was giving to Cornelius and his family is also uh, just something wonderful that, that I want to repeat and read these two verses again and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the appointed one by God to be judge of the living and the dead. One, one thing I, I think is very important that, that one thing Peter was teaching that, that Jesus is not a was, but Jesus is. You know what I'm saying? They knew that he was crucified. They heard about the resurrection, but he was able to emphasize that Jesus lives. And what's he doing? Because of his death and his resurrection, he is now appointed as judge over us. And verse 43 says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. He's judge and he also atones for sins. He's judge. Both those. 
It's an amazing picture of Jesus that Peter is laying out before Cornelius and his family. These God-fearers have never learned or have probably have not learned that, that Jesus is, he lives, and those responsibilities that he continues with because he lives. Judge and Redeemer or, or the one who atones for their sins brings about forgiveness. It's interesting, we're, we're going to continue walking through the book of Acts, but, but each group that, that these men have the opportunity to preach, later on, Paul goes to Athens, and he has to start at this place. There's people who, who believe in all kinds of gods, so Paul has to start at the place of, there is a God who created all things, and he's living. He, there, there's no idols that he exists in. There, there's no place, you know, where, where you go specifically to him. You know, so he had, he had to, first of all, identify there is God, the, the creator God who made all things. And then later on, he was able to share the, the fact of Jesus and his coming and his resurrection to, to lead them into an understanding. So there's all kinds of directions. Who are the people that you're talking to? Who are the people you're talking to? Are they people who believe in God? I know a lot of people who are just like Cornelius, man. They, they, they believe in God. They're God-fears, and yet they've done nothing about it because they've disconnected this God with a word. Uh, it's, it's like God has no expectations. I'm a good person. There's people that we need to talk today who, who believe in God and yet need to be challenged to, to hear his word and understand why Jesus came and understand why he had to die. There's some of those things that need to be explained. There are those who are atheists that need to be challenged in their thinking that where did all this come from? You know, how, how could we ever come to the conclusion there is no divine being when we see all the creation around us and go into the details of that. Overall today, the truth, the, the absolute truth of things are veiled or they're hidden or they're just absolutely rejected. Truth is, 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 a, you know, is an amazing thing. And I, people, I'll just let you know, we know the truth. That's a bold statement. I know that's a bold statement today. It's, it's not something that, that we glorify ourselves in, but we glorify in the fact that God has revealed the truth. God has made truth known to us. It, it is not something that there's, there's people all around us fumbling and stumbling around in a society that, that just continues to want to declare truth or whatever your truth is, you know, that relativistic point of view, the reason it might be difficult for us to share is because we believe we know and, and, and know where to look for the truth. It's in what God has revealed to us, not from ourselves, nothing to gloat about, nothing to boast about, but we can boast in his word. We can boast in the Savior whom he sent. We could talk about him you see, what we offer to them is a foundation that, that's established for people to stand upon. God is. God created. We're sinful. We're broken. We're separated from our God who loves us incredibly. And we know he loves us because he sent Jesus to die on our behalf. To pay 
our debt to pay our sinfulness so they would be restored into relationship with our God. That's, that's our gospel message. And we could establish a, a, a foundation to stand upon, upon his word, upon the message of Jesus. And one that the storms of this life and the troubles and the, the absolute false messages going out where we could stand and stand firmly. And, and we could ask people to join us. And his name is Jesus. That message would be absolutely Jesus. Uh, one last point I think is so important. We need to know that God is working. We need to know that he is working. We are not alone in what we do. When we're acting on his behalf, he, he's there with us. Uh, man, in this passage, again, we'll look at this and at the end of it. I said, man, that was a good old days, but it's, it's not. It happens today. I mean, God is involved today. We see in, in there that, that uh, I mean, it's visions and dreams and prompting of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit entering new people and that message is the same. Matter of fact, we see the whole Trinity involved in this work. And, and God, God is very much involved in working today. What, what is he doing in, in, in the person's mind that, that we're going to speak to? We have no idea. We're left to, we're, hey, guess what? We're left to being faithful and trusting in God in his preparation of those people. What are the, what are the conversations I'm going to carry on? Hey, God's preparing them. And, and he's preparing you as well. And, and therefore, I look at that and I say, man, uh, that reminds us of the significance of prayer. Signi are, are we praying about, God, what opportunity are you setting up for me today? I, I, I look at chapter 10, I think it's a divine appointment. I've heard that term used before, but that's beautiful what happens here. He established everything about this. I mean, Peter... Hey, he prepared Peter, he prepared Cornelius, and he brought them together. And man, what an amazing beginning, right? Well, I, I do believe that God is preparing hearts. Do you believe that? Is God preparing and working on you? Are you involved in that prayer? He's saying, God, you know, for one thing, you know, make, please bring me to that place that I'm aware of those who need to hear Jesus. Uh, please uh, make it known to me, prompt me. Uh, lead me to those I need to share with. And, and then, Lord, give me the boldness to speak. Give me the words to say. But we need him to be involved in this. We need him to be involved. We know he's involved in his word. He knows he's, every word that's come out of his mouth is significant. He said that in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Uh, there he used the example of rain and snow when it comes down out of heaven. Man, it has a purpose. And, and, and that rain, it, man, it, it causes things to grow and, and it produces fruit and it's harvested. It, and then the seed comes and it's, it's a great rotation. So as rain comes down from heaven, he, he points out in verse 11 that that's what he does with his word. It doesn't leave his lips without having an, its effect. He says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, for it, but, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. That's, that's what we're inviting people to. 
his word. We're inviting people with his word and using his word to draw people to come to know who he is, to come to know who Jesus is, our living Savior. We are to, the, to do this, uh, this inviting. We're the ones to, to bring, bring a message to those who don't know. It requires us to be willing servants of Jesus. It requires us that desire to serve and follow after him, to submit to him and to love him through that. Uh, we need to know our audience. You know, pick up the signs. Where are they coming from? What do they believe? Do they understand or do they even know the word? Can we introduce that to them? And we need to know that God is involved. If we know that God's involved, we're confident. We have that faith that, that, know, that, that uh, we know that God is involved, then prayer is going to be significant. So have that significance. And that we're going to depend upon the Holy Spirit's work. We're going to depend upon the scriptures and that message. And we're going to depend upon the results to come as we move or work. And then in, in our faith, all right? Let's do some inviting. Let's do some inviting and be very much involved in that throughout the week. Let's pray for that. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we praise you for this passage of scripture, which breaks down all the barriers, that, that it's no longer this one specific nation that you've chosen uh, and, and, and that is held under, under the law but, Lord, we see the great conclusion to that and the beginnings of an invitation through Jesus that includes all nations, all peoples, and we're a part of that. We praise you, Lord, for the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. We praise you, Lord, for the benefits that we found in being united to you. It gives us to this place or brings us to this place of giving you praise and rejoicing over you and your great love. Father, there's so many people around us. So many people, even those who, who believe in you, who yet to make that decision for Jesus. So many people who are lost that, Lord, are in danger of being confronted by you with condemnation. Lord, we pray for their preparation. We pray, Lord, that, uh, uh, that you'll be with us as a church that scatters, that goes out into this community and all around us. Help us, Father, to, to set up those appointments, to make those calls, and, and to ask those friends and neighbors, uh, can, can, I, can I share with you just some things I know about Jesus? Or, or even that place of asking questions of what people believe that we might uh, be able to show them your word and open it before them. God, it's, it's a heavy task, but, Father, the reward, the reward of your word getting out into this world Lord, it's going to have its results. It's going to change hearts and direct lives. Father, may that be our focus. We pray for our leadership right now who is focused upon that aspect of us scattering and taking that gospel with us. Lord, challenge them, strengthen them in that direction. God, we love you and we praise you for this day. We praise you for Jesus always. It's in his name we pray. Amen.